Welcome to Definitely Maybe Agile, a podcast where Peter Madison and David Shurrock discuss the complexities of adopting new ways of working at scale. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Definitely Maybe Agile with your hosts, Peter Madison and David Shurrock. How are you today, Dave? Very good. Well, I think the last couple of times we've got together to have these conversations, it feels to me like the very the, the preparation should have been recorded because we actually get we get into the meat really quickly. We have some interesting things. And I think by the time we get into a recorded conversation, it maybe is different. But let's see. So at the moment, I'm just preparing a workshop on root cause analysis and the difficulty organizations have, of course, of solving solving problems so they don't come back. And I think that's maybe part of our conversation today is how do we solve problems? These we raise a lot of conversations about things that can go wrong, but we've not really talked about perhaps identifying problems or thinking about how to solve problems. Yeah, and it's interesting because uh, I was last week I was on a panel about problem management, and uh, so this is kind of fresh in my mind from uh, some of the topics that we talked about there, and we um, it was a, a even longer conversation about uh, all the different ways in which uh, organizations approach this, and and the concepts from problem management and how organizations look at, identify, manage, and solve problems have been around for a long time. Um, it, like ITIL introduces the concept uh, and they, they bring this in as a part of incidents become problems. And this language is almost part of the vernacular in the uh, technology space. And yet I've, I've also found that in a lot of uh, newer organizations that I've uh, worked with, uh, they've been scared off from looking at things like ITSM and ITIL and that way of managing things. And it's just not a part of their understanding of, hey, this, this is how you go about managing problems and having a practice to do this and putting the right pieces into place so that we understand what does it take to manage a problem. You know, when you're describing that, what I find really interesting, I think if you go and talk to people, everybody everywhere is surrounded by problems. In fact, many of us, especially in the technology space, but not just there, many of us probably identify ourselves as fantastic problem solvers, identifiers and solvers of problems. But what I find interesting when, as you've raised it, the whole idea of ITSM, the IT service management and specifically problem management within it, is one of the few places where there's a formal process or, or profession, if you like, group that tackles problems. I mean, the other places I'd look at are things like healthcare and you know things like that, where, and we'll come on to when we're talking about complexity in a minute, what the differences can be. But it's, it's odd that there are so many of us identifying, solving problems day to day, and yet there isn't really much in the way of how do we formally understand problems and how to solve them? Yeah, and, and there's the, these pieces of, well, there's a variety of mechanisms for this. And very often when we look at problems and a lot of our conversation before we started recording today was around the topic of root cause, which uh, can be quite incendiary <laughs> across all sorts of different spaces. Uh, there's the, the concept of, is there such a thing as root cause? And uh, if root cause is, is not real, because you can never really truly get to it, at least in a complex system, because there are so many uh, possible causes of something, there'll always be something that caused the thing that's the actual problem. So like, how far do you dig? At what point do you stop digging? So there's no true way of getting to that root cause. Um, but I think some of that can be alleviated by at least having some agreement at the outset as to what do we mean when we say the words root cause? 
Very positive. Yeah. I mean, this is we were part of the conversation that we're having there is I think within within the sort of technology spaces that you and I spend a lot of time working in, problems are rife. They're they're everybody's always discussing it. And what I find peculiar is there are very few conversations about how to solve them. You've mentioned a couple like lean, every there are a number of, I mean, many different things, A3, five Ys and root cause analysis and things like this. Fish All of that. Exactly, Ishikawi and Ishikawi and, and the kind of the rest of those things. All of those provide tools to tackle problems. And then outside of that, you've got things like ITIL and problem management. But beyond those, there's very little brought up in the technology space, right? We don't bring that. We, we just tend to kind of, it's like almost like you throw a ball at somebody with a bat, they're going to swing the bat at it every time. And we're just always just swinging bats at balls rather than sitting down and understanding, is there some other issue? or underlying factor that we have to go and understand. And and this this is um, the types of problems we're describing there are very much in the uh, the service management space. We're, we're talking about, hey, I've got a, I've got a service which is delivering um, some kind of value to a customer. That service performs in a certain way. I, I, I need to understand uh, the, the performance characteristics of it. And one of the aspects that starts to cause problems in organizations is the as they've shifted the, what their IT landscape looks like. Uh, I think microservices, for example, have uh, quite a lot to uh, uh, blame here because somewhere the the way I always describe this is the complexity has to exist somewhere. Before you had this monolith where all of the complexity of the interaction between your business processes existed in a single place. So operationally, it was kind of a black box that wasn't that hard to run because you could at least understand where everything was. Uh, but when you took that and you broke it apart into a thousand different microservices, you took that complexity of the interactions and you spread it out across a thousand microservices. So now the complexity of managing and identifying where the problems are is now operational. And one of the problems I've seen with organizations is that they do this without strengthening their ability to operationally manage that landscape. And that includes problem management, the understanding and looking for where are the root causes or the um, probable causes of problems in that environment. So let me just say, welcome to the real world. <laughs> Finally, uh, IT services management is getting out the idea of well, the problem is on this box somewhere. We're just going to go find the problem on the box into the world of the problem is out there. How do we go figure it out? Because as you were starting to describe problems as being a an ITSM type of space, I actually disagree with that. I think a lot of the problems that we're trying to discuss here are business related problems, customer market problems, problems of, you know, how do I reach our customers and get the right message across so that when they're in a buying position, they're coming to us to work with things. And I think these are the problems and, and the, the the sort of ITSM space you describe is quite interesting because that one comes from a well self-contained, you described it, a self-contained environment where you know the problems here somewhere into one where that it is no longer self-contained. There are now thousands of microservices and they're the ones you own. And then there are services that other people are yeah. you're drawing from and everything else. So all of a sudden it is now distributed. And now that's a lot closer to the sort of challenges that business is marketing and approaching customers and taking problems. That's it's a much more you know one to many. There's an in, individuals have their own relationship with your service, your product, and how to use it. So so there's an there's an interesting piece here that when you start 
to talk because uh, it's the problem with the English language. There's never enough variance in a particular word, so a lot of things get overloaded, of course. So when you start to talk about the types of problems we solve on the, the business side in the product space, uh, a, a lot of the similar capabilities um, have come to mind because you're nearly always in this day and age, but not always, but nearly always delivering those services via a technical platform in some way or the technology is involved in it in some way. So that technology can provide you with information about how that service is being delivered. And that provides an input into your problem solving processes. Now there are, and I guess what we're, we're talking at here is that within a well-functioning technology organization, there is an understanding of how to approach problems and how to manage it. And in fact, people will have a title like problem manager, and they can be somebody who, who's the person who looks at that. that and they will run problem exercises but that doesn't necessarily translate over into the into the business side and the tooling that we use is potentially just as appropriate in fact i have i've run sessions with product organizations using exactly the same tooling to identify where those problems are to work out hey this is this is where we should focus this is the business right. area this is where the underlying root causes are in the system so so um again if i if we just come back and just peel things back a little bit or pull things you know pull out and view things there are at least a couple probably more than that that, that, uh, that i'll explain in just a second but we've got problem management in the technology space and i just have to point out i would argue that not everybody in technology understands tools and approaches that you're discussing around problem management oh i, I think in i said many, 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 already, but <laughs> a very small section of technology specialists understand that because it's it's sort of hidden away from just as an example anybody doing development rarely kind of dabbles in that problem management space. I, I think I said it was a well-run. Good. But, one, one, well, that's, I... one that's had to work with me on occasion. You know, for... <laughs> But if I draw back as well, I mean, we also talked about Lean and Lean has a, a ton of tools for problem identification and resolution. And I think, you know, from a business context, since I've piled in on the sort of business approach, you know, business schools have a bunch of tools as well. There are tools out there. What I find, I think where we started a bit of our conversation is a lot of the time problem resolution is too reactive and sort of you know, shoot from the hip intuitive. And we don't take the time to pause and think about what different tools, approaches, methodologies we might use to solve a problem. So interestingly enough, advanced problem management in an ITSM sense is predictive. You look for problems before they occur. You look for indicators that a problem is going to occur and you do it based off learning you have of how the environment has behaved in the past and use that to inform how it might behave in the future and also looking for like how are things changing? And so by having the right information, you could start to look at, we, we see that there is potentially a problem that's going to occur here. How can we, how can we mitigate that risk? And that's, that's where problem management goes beyond that reactive state and goes into one where you're actually being proactive about looking for where's the next problem going to come from. I, I think um, I would argue that any approach to problem management has a predictive element to it. But Lean does, uh, you know, mm -hmm. many of the, the, the businesses that we've worked with and looked at the, the, you know, the metrics and how they're looking at what things are going, they're all looking for some yeah. sort of, you know, early indicator of where problems might be occurring and so on. So I think that's very true of maybe it's a characteristic of you know mature problem management 
systems or approaches i still kind of come back to you know we always in these conversations trying to get that pragmatic actionable what can we take away and think about and what's really struck me in trying to tackle some of these questions and answer them for some of our clients is that the first starting point if you like is stop thinking that we're amazing at multitasking and that you can just throw problems at a panel or at at any specialist that you have in your organization, get a a quick email coming back saying, this is the problem, go fix it and think we're fixing problems. We're not, we're we're dealing with symptoms and we're curing symptoms. We're not curing the underlying cause. And, And I think that realization that we have to kind of get it out of our system one reactive heuristic driven mindset and take the time to get into a reflective, more thoughtful, you know, inquisitive and curious space to go identify the problem, whether as an individual or as a group. Yes, and and the and the role of the of the problem manager is to work out who those people in that group need to be, and they own the problem and bring those people together and create that space to do that exploration, to go look and see what what are the underlying uh, problems here. How how do we define this? What could we put into place to mitigate this? How do we start to resolve it? What are the the underlying pieces here? Using whatever some of the tools you were describing earlier is a, a so so it's almost like. You know that, and I and I totally agree with this. Is uh, with you on this? Is we need to identify the problem. We need to kind of put some boundaries around it. Whereas the data that shows it's happening, shows it's not happening, whatever it might be, and it's the thoughtful both gathering of observations and uh, whether it's data or information or just just the people coming together and somehow ring fencing the problem space so that you understand what is the undesirable behavior and outcomes. What's the desirable behavior and outcomes? How might we sort of shift from one to the other yes uh, right and uh, so that piece and that exploration and holding that space is really that that key role and some people uh will do a better job of that than others <laughs> so the well it's interesting because i think actually we're not allowing ourselves to get into that space if i look at your calendar and my calendar i'm pretty sure we're bouncing backwards and forwards certainly the organizations i work with when you look at the people who have the experience and the knowledge who should be instrumental in solving problems you often find they're exactly the people who don't have the time don't have the and you kind of need a downtime you need to move from system one thinking that idea of reactive heuristic based thinking to system two we need to, there's a curve. We've got to move from one state to the other. It's not a calendar entry. Now I'm going to be system two thinking. It's uh, I have to reflect or or go for a walk and just clear my mind or whatever it might be. Yeah, I, I agree. It's uh, we were talking about this a few episodes ago when we were talking about ONA and like uh, organizational network analysis and thinking about uh, how organizational structures impact it. And when you find the person who's like the person that everybody goes to to get anything done he's also your probably your best problem solver because <laughs> he knows yeah. the most about everything around it but Absolutely. he's also the busiest person in the organization wow. and they and, and so part of the question becomes how do we recognize that we need a deeper dive and and actually take and i i, I really like problem management for this the, the sort of itsm world of problem management because they've got some really clear you know they put the foundations in place around some sort of telemetry about what's working what's not where you begin to see hot spots within your systems to say you know the next time we discuss any sort of problem management we've got to focus over here that sort of thing is often just not in place in a lot of the uh, the sort of less ITSM sort of worlds that we look at. Yes, yeah, I agree. Um, what areas haven't we touched on so far? 
Well, I just wanted to kind of ring things back a little bit around complexity and intuition and recognizing how important it is that we don't rely on the quick intuitive or heuristic responses to certain problems right so in a complex space as you said right at the outset root cause isn't really a root cause because it's one cause of many it's probably the most you know relevant cause right now but if we go and you know hold that thing down in in a complex system the system learns it moves around it right so all of a sudden i I go this must be the root cause I, i i fix it in some way and it just finds a way around it comes back at us from somewhere else yeah and uh, yeah i liked i like the term uh, probable cause which uh, donna knapp introduced me to because i think that's a, a better way of describing it in a complex system we're looking for probable cause what's the thing that's most likely to be causing this problem and that, oh, that the current uh, the current cause right the current cause yes yeah, and yeah. and so then we've got an idea of where to look i think the uh uh, Sidney Decker's whole um, the, the piece, and and it's not just him, but there's the safety one, safety two movement. The the whole understanding um, that when we're looking for problems, we don't look for the 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 obvious piece. The the classic example being the airplanes coming back in World War Two, and all the airplanes coming back had holes in the wings, so they put more armor on the wings. But what you actually, until somebody pointed out that you actually want to put more armor on the bodies because those are the planes that didn't come back. So this understanding of like where to look um, and how to understand it and how to reinforce the right parts. And this is where that the whole safety two model of we don't, if you just look at where the problems are and just try and fix the problems in a complex environment, you're paying whack-a-mole. You're going to be yes. just always trying to hit the the problem, but you're never going to hit it all because there's always going to be another one. If you or, instead, you're, or you're ignoring, you're ignoring where the catastrophic problems actually are. You're solving yes. cosmetic, somewhat cosmetic problems uh, yeah. at the expense of the critical ones. Versus working out why does the system work and reinforcing that? Like what makes it go right more often? What can I do to make the system go right more often, which will reduce the amount of errors that you have, which is the safety two model of like reinforce the positive. Yeah. And so, so when I, and I love that story about the, the sort of bullet holes in the plane, because it, it's, I, I think it, it really highlights the difference between intuitive reactive sort of heuristic type things there's a hole here we need to fix it which is that immediate responsive type of thing and in complex systems intuition and heuristic sort of reactive behavior don't get you where you think they will mm-hmm. and in, uh, what i find interesting is that the, the teams the groups that are really good at working in truly complex environments use their training and their experience to avoid jumping to the conclusions that heuristic reactive thinking is going to get us if you think about pilots for example or or surgeons and and healthcare professionals their training is about how not to jump to a conclusion and instead how to be formulaic in the way they address what they're seeing and so that they're really being honest with themselves about what they're seeing instead of kind of taking the shortcuts yeah it's uh i think that is a very good point too it's uh we we often uh, we <laughs> when teaching or training in the uh, in the ITSM space, we teach the same thing too. It's the, you, you teach through uh, like what are the like have a method by which you break down a problem step by step. This is how you go through it, formulaic, understand it, look at the locks. 
I don't know, even in this day and age, the number of times, have you looked at the logs? Uh, at least we have log oh. aggregators, which are presenting this back to you now. So it's almost hard not to look at the logs, but still people manage not to. Uh, it's like... Well, but, but I, I think this is the, 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 there's still an expectation, I think, on, say, delivery teams where they, they need pace, right? They, you've got mm -hmm. to keep going. You've got to hit some sort of speed or capacity expectation. You made a commitment. You've got to go and do it. So there isn't that thought that there isn't the space for somebody to go, something smells wrong here. We need to do something differently. So we've got to kind of draw out there's a different there. And in ITSM, it's a dedicated part of the organization, a team that's set aside to do these things. And that maybe that's the approach. Maybe that's something to consider more broadly than just within the space of ITSM to start thinking about some of these things. Because the environments are certainly becoming more complex. So you made a great compelling argument around microservices and where that's how that's changing the headache of where the complexity is and i think that is a great metaphor for what's happening really across you know your your market for customers or how customers interact with you or how you build your product and get it to market all of those places are increasingly complex and increasingly out of your control yeah now there's hey i don't I a topic for next time about how you go about uh, addressing some of uh, this with basically smaller batches, um, fast releases, less cognitive load on the individual teams that are doing the releases, uh, proper service contracts between those different component pieces so that they can release at any time safely and that you can understand if there is a failure that you can move back to a working service and understand what the meanings of that, of that is and how you actually do that and how you code and develop a system that is behaving in that manner, which is how you do this at scale across all those and start to reduce the chances of those uh, catastrophic failures. In other words, and this is this is directly in that safety space, you're reinforcing the good, you're reinforcing how to do this well, so that you're less likely to run into these issues in the first place. But maybe that's a deeper topic for another day. And, uh, so so what would what would you sum up as your your sort of three main takeaways for people? Yeah, I, I'm going to go with a couple and let you go with a couple because I think unusually, I think this conversation was a little bit like, you know, two different perspectives mashing together. And in many cases, um, we're seeing things in a, with a different lens it really came out i think in this conversation so the the first thing i think the key takeaway would be that problems are everywhere we all think we're seeing problems all the time but we're not solving them the way you know there are tools out there there are frameworks and methods and, and approaches in many spaces that we're just not leveraging so i think part of it is understanding that maybe we've got to get just raise our head enough to realize that the problems aren't going to go away they, they keep coming at us and some formal way of addressing that of recognizing it you know sort of instrumenting it so we can see what's going on and then actually having a formal problem approach would be immensely powerful in a lot of different spaces i think that's the first key takeaway um and i think the second one is as a result of that is recognizing that somehow somewhere there's a need to take the time to understand a problem rather than just sit and deal with it in a sort of reactive way so taking that time formally shifting into a sort of system to you know more informed data-driven thoughtful place to solve that problem yeah and i think um i, I agree with the, both of those points i think uh, what i i add is the having that common understanding as to what a problem is for us so like creating that common agreement and language so that um, everybody's on the same page when we start to throw these terms around so that you're uh, you're all aligned as to w what is it we're looking at this is what I mean when I say this and uh, because that 
can help a lot when you start to dig into these uh, these problems and understand um, where they might be coming from and how we're going to look to address them. I think there's uh, having, having a think about some of the concepts that we brought up in the, the last 20 or so minutes as well, I think is quite important to, to understand that is the way in which you are looking at and addressing problems in your environment. Uh, are you playing whack-a-mole? with uh, these problems is that, or are you actually um, looking systemically at the system and starting to understand how do I improve it so that I get better outcomes and that will ultimately result in a better um, resolution of fewer problems so that, are you actually starting to look at things in that manner so with that um, as always thank you Dave it was a great conversation and uh, uh, if everybody wants to subscribe, they can hit that subscribe button and you'll get a new episode every so often, uh, hopefully every week. And uh, if you have any feedback, uh, you can reach us at feedback at definitelymaybeagile.com. Thanks, Steve. Till next time, Peter. Thanks. Till next time. You've been listening to Definitely Maybe Agile, the podcast where your hosts, Peter Madison and David Sharrock, focus on the art and science of digital, agile, and DevOps at scale. 